Just a little bit about me. My name is Robin Antoine, if you haven't met me before. Uh, my wife, Deanne, and my two daughters attend here. Uh, we live in, uh, in Kitchener, but we live just in the Rockway area, uh, uh, so just sort of behind uh, Rockway Mennonite Collegiate there. And uh, I actually grew up in Ottawa, and uh, I've been here now for about, love that, I've been here now for about uh, almost 12 years in Kitchener, and it's really become home for me. It's been, it's been a really good journey. I am deep in leaf country, um, though I did grow up cheering for the Ottawa Senators. They were my favorite NHL team, still are, despite all our troubles. So I know something about suffering, leaf fans. <laughs> I know something about suffering. It's just, uh, yes, and it's, it's just a different kind of suffering. Uh, but, but before we jump in, to this message. Uh, this is just an opportunity for us now uh, to receive uh, the kind nature of the Father. And so I, I'm just going to stop and we're just going to acknowledge the Lord with us. I'm just going to pray quickly and we're going to jump in. Heavenly Father, you are our Father and you are kind. You're not a tyrant, and you're not like our earthly fathers, and you're a better father than I am. So I can trust you this morning with this message, but we can trust you as we hear from your word. We can trust your heart of care and kindness towards us. So we just acknowledge your heart of kindness towards us, and we invite your spirit to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well... My, uh, my eldest daughter, is, is uh, her name is Mahalia, and she will turn three in June. So it's a, it's a really nice stage of life that we're, we're in. Uh, but we had a funny period when she first started walking. Uh, it was about uh, 11 months, kind of around the 12-month stage. And she just, as soon as she got up on her feet, she realized that she had the ability to gain as much things that she could in her hands and carry them from, let's say, point A would be one end of our upper level of our house to point B, which was like the other end of the upper level of the house. And it was an absolute joy to her. She would just get a stuffed animal and a blanket and another stuffed animal and a book and a sippy cup with milk. And it's just, she would just try to fill up her hands with stuff. And my wife, uh, Deanne, and I would watch this, and there's a bit of admiration, because you want to celebrate her autonomy, right? She's expressing her autonomy by being able to do this. So she's grabbing as many things as she can. And I'm watching this and enjoying the moment, but then the sense of caution comes in. Because the blankie's getting a little close to her feet, uh, the milk's spilling a bit, She's go, she might drop the stuffy. I'm saying stuffy like you guys know what a stuffy is. And I'm watching this with caution, and I realize that eh, her well-being might be at risk, especially if she gets close to the stairs. So after a while, I've stopped enjoying the autonomy, and I step in, and I begin to reason with my 11-month-year-old daughter. Reasoning doesn't work. 
so it progresses to, honey, you cannot carry these things, so daddy's going to take these things from you. Which then progresses to another struggle, uh, where uh, there is a series of no's, quite possibly some crying, and some downright frustration. So I'm taking things from her, she's getting upset, I don't want to back down, right? Because if the whining becomes a habit, then it will be a habit later, so I'm trying to stop it, but I'm trying to be patient, people, right? My patience meter generally is about 30%, if 100% is Jesus, I'm about 30%, okay? And at this moment, I'm right down 5%. So I'm entering into a hot spot. Because I'm trying to protect her. I know what's best. She can't reason with what I'm doing. But I know what's best. Her well-being is going to be affected. And if her well-being is affected, she can't enjoy those things anyway. I care about her growth and her development. So I jump in and take away these things. She doesn't value my protection. She doesn't value the effort that I put in. And it might turn into a timeout. These things happen. But the beauty of the scenario is that this may have happened two or three times. And it was either in the moment, or maybe it was afterwards, where common sense kind of kicked in after dealing with her. And you might be kind of tracking with me a little bit. Maybe it was common sense, but maybe it was a gentle counsel of the Holy Spirit. That in that particular scenario, my 11-month-year-old daughter was me. And God, in that scenario, was me. Sometimes in my life, I'm trying to get as much as I can to go from point A to point B in my life. Point A might be, I feel unloved. I feel unwanted. So I do certain things to get the attention of a girl that I like. Or I try to present myself in a certain way on social media so that I get a certain amount of likes so that I could get to point B, which is feeling loved and wanted. Or I might feel insignificant, so I feel that if I have a house and a car and I start paying taxes, then I am actually an identified person in society and I have some value. The ability to have things is present. God celebrates my autonomy because he gave me free will. But I am in error if I ever think that the things that I have and possess have life. Because the truth is that in that scenario, the life is always, always in the provider and not in the provision. The things that I have may add to my life, but they are not my life. So in my life, I have experienced times when I have had a job and lost a job. I have times in my life where I had a girlfriend, I lost a girlfriend. I had times in my life where I had a loved one I cared about. Everything was in order. Blessed be your name, Lord. But then that person passes away. And I'm left with this terrible ache where I thought that what I had was going to make me feel secure. But in that moment, the honesty of reality kicks in. And I realize that control is not mine but control is his. In that reality, I come to the honest realization that my life is actually in the provider. It's not in the things that I have. And I too 
chicken tantrum like a two-year-old. I get mad at God. There's still some things in my life that are missing, and I wonder why it happened. But I can't reason with the God of the universe. I can't reason with him. It makes no sense. But he knows. And he is not afraid of my tantrum. He's not ashamed of my tantrum. He doesn't shut me down and shut me up. Matter of fact, I love that in the Gospels, the way that Jesus invites us to come to him is like a, like a child. Snotted, surly, frustrated. I'm upset, Daddy. It's not fair. You should have been there. You should have stopped it from happening. What it comes down to is, is am I willing to trust that he's still a loving daddy? Like the way I want my daughter to trust me when I take things from her. Because I know, I know the end. I know what's coming. I, I, I don't know everything, but I, I, in this moment, I know what's best. How much more my heavenly father? He knows what I need. He cares about my well-being. There's a handful of things in my life I had to say, okay, daddy, I'm upset, but I'm coming to you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, uh, is one of the Beatitudes. And I find that the Beatitudes are very interesting because of their cause and effect in their verses, in the, in the verses of the Beatitudes. It's easy for us to discern that the main point has been made and we could just kind of move away from it. Um, in the Beatitudes, Jesus makes this statement Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. And um, it's this. So can we get the verse up there? And it's a short text. This is the only text we're dealing with today, so you could say amen to that. Okay? This is it. But we're going to read this together. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Please, don't go to a funeral and just Somebody is grieving and go up to them and just say, blessed are those who mourn, that they shall be comforted. You know what I mean. It's, it's not enough. There's, there's something else there. We understand it's true. But what we're going to take some time to do this morning is we're going to look at the three key words in this verse. And the etymology of these words will help us have a deeper understanding of not just the cause and effect, but of the heart of the Father towards his people. The Beatitudes were given to people who were under the law. Jesus went up on a mountain, and he said, you heard it said, this is the fulfillment. This is, the, this is a telescopic view of how God relates with people, relates with his people in particular. And there's something particular for those who are in Christ uh, that those who are under the law couldn't receive at that time, but we can receive it. So what I'm going to do is we're going, I'm going to uh, take a look at three key words in the verse. So we're going to look at blessed. We're going to look at mourn and the word comforted. And we're going to look at the, the Greek uh, version of the, of the word, so the Greek translation of the word and, and, its, and its meanings. And we're hopefully we'll discern from that... Uh, the heart of God towards us. So let's just jump in very quickly. Uh, the book of Matthew was written in ancient Greek. Uh, so our first key word is blessed. Blessed in Greek 
is the word makarios. Everyone say makarios. Makarios. Makarios means super blessed and well off. Super blessed. Doesn't sound so nice in the King James, does it? Uh, it, it, it actually is, it's, a, it's a, a deeper meaning than just the word blessed, as we understand the word blessed. Uh, the Amplified Version unpacks the word and, and says it like this. It says, blessed is happy to be envied, uh, spiritually prosperous with life joy and satisfaction in God's favor with salvation regardless of outward conditions. It's a pretty packed word. But it doesn't sound quite right. To be envied are those who mourn. Happy are those who mourn. How can that be? We're going to take a little bit more of a look at that. But before we jump into that, let's just go to our key word, our next key word, which is mourn. And the Greek translation of that word is pentheo. So everyone say pentheo. And pentheo means what you thought it meant. It means filled with grief. So in saying that, what I want us to do right now is I, I want us to pause and think about a time when you were filled with grief. Did you feel super blessed? Oh, come on. Of course you did. You're good Christians. No. No, you didn't feel super blessed. I'm pretty sure. I have to think of one moment when I was filled with grief. It was when uh, my grandmother had passed away. I had, I grew up in, uh, in, in some ways, not the, the most loving household. And my grandmother, uh, uh, immigrated from the Caribbean, from the island of Grenada, uh, to live with uh, my family. And uh, she lived with us for most of my upbringing. And in 2010, she moved back to Grenada. And when she moved back to Grenada, uh, four years later, she passed away. And my grandmother meant a great deal to my brother and I. And I was a man about it. I, would, I did really well, guys. I was, I was very strong. Uh, I didn't show a ton of emotion. Uh, I was comforting to others. I held it together for everybody else. My wife and I went home to Ottawa to visit my mom, um, and it was her mother who had passed away. And so we went home, and we had dinner together, and we shared about uh, memories about my grandmother, and my mom shared this fairly insignificant memory. And anyone here ever played Jenga? Everyone said yes. Good, good. Well, just picture a Jenga tower that's got about two blocks that are kind of holding it together before it crumbles. For whatever reason, that ins insignificant memory just slid that one block out for me. And I fell apart. And I started weeping at the dinner table. I'm still a man, right? Okay, okay. I started weeping. It just, it just broke me. Everything came out. It was very cathartic. 
In that moment, for whatever reason, I realized the loss. I realized something was there and then something was taken. And grief filled my whole body. My whole body was affected by it. And I started to cry. But something unique happened in that moment. The presence of God was so tangible, was so present to me, that it felt like God emphatically stepped into the pain, stepped into the situation, and wrapped his arms around me and was just whispering, I know. I get it. It was, it was that moment when my tears were no longer tears of grief. You couldn't tell if they were tears of grief anymore. They might have been just tears of the, the knowledge and the presence of a loving father. Has anyone been there before? It's like lemonade. Super tart. Tastes terrible without any sweetener in it. You add sweetener, you add enough sweetener that it becomes a bittersweet mix. That the tartness is no longer something that you cannot stand. It's something that you can actually take on. You can drink it. it you might even call it enjoyable. The presence of God was so tangible in that moment that I realized that God emphatically was part of that situation with me. You see, sometimes we treat God in our lives, and, and I, what I don't want to do is I don't want to dismiss emotions. I don't want to dismiss the feelings of loss and grief um, or the fear of loss. But sometimes in our relationship with God, it's transactional. I prayed this prayer. I desired this outcome. I did these things, God. I did it in order. I did it properly. Why am I experiencing loss? And there's nothing wrong with praying for right outcomes or expecting good from God. There's nothing wrong with that. But if my relationship with God ends at it being transactional, then, then he's just a holy ATM. But God is more than that. He's more than that. Matter of fact, God identifies with your person. He identifies with my person. So much so that he personified humanity. He walked in our brokenness, in our flesh. He experienced what we experienced. He doesn't want a transactional relationship. That was never the intent. He wants to step into your situation. He wants that bittersweet mix where sometimes in your life you have to say, Daddy, I need you to be Daddy. I need you to be in control. And the truth is that we can trust him to do that. Next word we're going to look at is comfort. Um, comfort in the Greek is translated as the word parakleo. And parakleo actually means uh, to invite to console, to call near. It's a really interesting picture, isn't it? Almost to the sense that for us in the new covenant, for us who are in Christ, we can receive this in a way that those who heard this originally probably could not. That word parakleo actually is the root word uh, for a description of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 17, 
Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as our advocate, as our counselor, as our comforter. That word parakletos is used to describe the Holy Spirit. Parakleo is a root word. So hold on. So I want you to grab the sense of this. When you experience grief, it invites the attention. It draws in the presence and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. When we experience grief, God is not ignorant of our suffering. And he's not far away. Matter of fact, God himself experienced suffering so that he could make us the righteousness of God in him. He can make us absolutely clean so that he can be invited into our situation, into our humanity, so that he could be with us in our suffering. When we suffer, it draws in the attention and the nearness of God. Often when we are in periods of grieving, we're looking for opportunities. Maybe I should rephrase that. Sometimes when we suffer, it's easy to say, God, where are you? Why is this happening? Nothing wrong with that. But often it could be an opportunity for us to distance ourselves from the presence of God. We can say God is here, point B, and I'm over here. And there's a few things I have to get together and have in my life before I can experience and know his presence. It's not the truth. He's near as his name on your lips. And in our grief, we can trust in him and be comforted. So let's have some fun, okay? We deconstructed the verse a little bit, and we're just going to look at our deconstructed keywords, and we're going to put them back into the verse, okay? So uh, maybe, you guys, we could put that up there. All right. So, super blessed and well off are those who are filled with grief. For their grief invites God in. This is just some fun for the Lord of the Rings people, okay? Not a huge big fan of the films, but just a quick little bit of fun, okay? Um, You know when Frodo, Frodo, right? puts on the ring, okay? And then that big eye, you know the big eye? It like goes in like telescopic on wherever that ring was put on. God is not the big evil eye monster. But your grief draws his attention. You're not alone. But you say, Robin, I'm grieving right now. I... I'm experiencing loss right now. I, I, I don't trust God with the future. I, I, I'm, I'm scared about what's to come. How, how is this any help to me? Well, first and foremost, I'm going to tell you that there isn't a magic pill. And I'm going to give three points, and they're not a magic pill. But there are three things that I've learned in my journey that have helped me to live my life Like my life is from the provider and not from the provision. My life is in Christ. My life isn't in the things that I possess or things working out well or being the way that I want. That's not where my life is found because that's not reality. Reality is that my life is in Jesus. Jesus Christ didn't give us, sounds 
crazy, but he didn't give us eternal life as though he's over here and eternal life is over there and he presented it to you and he's like, okay, there you go, eternal life. Jesus Christ is eternal life. When we died and we were resurrected anew in him, he became our life, not the things that we have. So sometimes in our journey, we are called to a place where we have to stop and acknowledge that what we have in him is more than enough. But we can release the things that we want control over and trust him with the control of those things. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's just jump into our three points really quickly. Uh, So our first point I just want to talk about is um, activating your faith. And and activating your faith, it, it sounds like, okay, this is a great prosperity gospel message I'm going to present to you. Um, however, when I say activate your faith, what I'm really saying is putting confidence back in him and not in your circumstances. So there are things that I, that I do in my daily life that demonstrate that I'm putting my confidence in something other than the goodness of God. And I'm not any more far from God when I do those things but I don't have a full revelation of his kindness and goodness towards me, and I'm not living in the fullness of the life that God God has called me to. And so in times where I have been in in grief or I I had experienced loss or or even the fear of losing things, I, I have to turn my position to the Lord. Not necessarily a position, because we understand the position. He is with us as we are with him. He is in us. We are in Christ. Not necessarily in that sense, but I put my confidence back in him. So maybe in the morning, I'm feeling overwhelmed with the day. Things may or may not go well. And I, I might want to listen to um, some Lecrae to get my day going, right? I want to listen to some rap music or something. But, but every once in a while, I make the... The, the choice to say, today I want to listen to worship music. And just some worship songs help me to put my confidence back in him. Uh, it helps me to feel assured of his nearness and his presence. And it doesn't fix my problem, but what it often does is that it helps me sense that I am enveloped and um, in the love and the care of God. And so making that active choice to do that just kind of helps to redirect how I'm going to face the day. Often I pray for things or pray about things that I'm anxious about and I don't feel the comfort about it in the moment. But I might be on my way during the day, jump in my car, uh, maybe throw on a podcast and maybe something that uh, a speaker is saying there on that podcast just opens up my eyes to a truth that gives me peace of mind in the moment. So I may not have experienced it when I asked for it, but over over time I can, as I journey with the Lord and I make myself available to him, he supplies the small mercies that I need to continue. And that is just something that has been very fruitful for me. Uh, Second point is uh, just to take things one day at a time. We accept that God has a provision for today. 
But often we're holding on to yesterday. We're holding on to what we did do or what we didn't do uh, to keep what we were afraid of losing or, or to deal with the pain or anything. We're holding on to yesterday, what happened or what didn't happen. And the truth is that the past has been purchased. It was purchased by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. You do not own yesterday anymore. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8 verse 1, you don't have to hold on to what you did or didn't do. Passes out of your hands. But we could step boldly in today and accept what I think uh, worked out really well with the song that we sang earlier. Uh, just in Lamentations uh, chapter 3, verse 22, uh, 22 to 23. And it says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. So we can say, great is your faithfulness, because today is all that we have. But his mercies are abundant. His grace power is abundant. His presence and his care for you is abundant in this moment. And we can rest in that. Also, we need to let go of the future. Jesus puts it simply. I don't think I need to add too much more to that. What does Jesus say about tomorrow? He says, tomorrow has enough, anybody? Trouble. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. So maybe we need to let go of tomorrow and stay focused on his grace and mercy for today. And our third point uh, really is the foundation for the other two points. Because if you don't let other people in when you're going through suffering or experiencing loss or afraid of the future, if you don't let other people in, they can't affirm you in those last two points. Because those last two points are hard. It's hard to take it one day at a time. It's hard to engage your faith when you're going through a tough time. You need other people to jump in and help you. God wants to comfort us, in my, as in my experience that, um, that I had at home about my grandmother. He wants to do that, but he also wants to comfort us through the body of Christ. I'm remembering right now um, a lady in my church uh, that I grew up with, and uh, she's a very nice lady, unassuming, not a busybody. Uh, she was involved uh, not in too many things, but she had this boldness when it came to people who were suffering and grieving. She had a boldness in, in dealing with them. She was never overwhelmed by people who were suffering. She never seemed anxious about how to speak well to them or encourage them. She just seemed to just jump in there and always had the right words to say. I think there was about two or three times where I saw this sort of an action and I thought to myself, that's remarkable. I'm always nervous about what to say when you see people are going through a hard time. Anybody else like that? Part of the problem is I'm worried that I'm not enough. And in maybe some senses that is true. But I am filled and I am in and I am of the Holy Spirit. When I step boldly to be a fellow brother, of, uh, brother in Christ, and if you, as a lady, step forward in your boldness to be a fellow sister in Christ, 
to serve one another. You're doing it in the fruit of the Spirit, not in the fruit of Robin, not in the fruit of Ian. You're doing it in the fruit of the Spirit. So I could step forward in boldness in the leading of the Holy Spirit to administer peace to those who need peace, to be a comfort, to administer joy, to be loving towards those who are uh, in need of love. And when we, have, when we take that bold step to do that, we can reinforce those other two points we talked about. Help people take it one day at a time. Help them to put their confidence back um, in the Father's love and not in their circumstances. Uh, my last point, I did say three, didn't I? My last point is sort of in conclusion. My last point is that God experienced grief on your behalf. God experienced grief on your behalf, and you were worth it. God gave his only begotten son to die a terrible, humiliating death. Like I said earlier, he experienced suffering so that he could make us clean, so he could be with us and present in our suffering. He understands. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32 says this, uh, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. So how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He gave up of himself, experienced grief on our behalf. He understands. He knows what it is to be a human being. Uh, he knows what it is to be tempted in every way, but yet not to sin. Our great high priest who intercedes for us. He prays for you in your pain. How will he not also in him... Um, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? All things doesn't necessarily have to be everything you want. All things, that word all, is an all-consuming all term. All is not limited to what we can see. Sometimes there are situations, if I experience job loss here, I'm saying, well, God, you have to give me back, well, the same salary, and you got to give me back the same, uh, or this expectation for coworkers, and, and this kind of position, and this, and this, and this. And not that we couldn't ask the Lord for that, but he's not limited to what we can see. God went above and beyond our expectations in giving of himself. Let's not put God in a box and assume that all things is what you can see. How many times in your own life where you experienced loss, but God returned to you what you couldn't even ask for? You couldn't even imagine it. It was 10 times better than what you thought. All things isn't what you can see. Matter of fact, it's not just what you have the ability to take hold of as you go about your life. He wants to give you more than that. He can do immeasurably more than you can hope. Some translations say dream or imagine. 
Why do we limit him to what we could see? Our most heavenly father is a better father than me. He's a good father. And uh, his patience meter isn't at 30% when he starts the day with me. Some days my patience meter is at 10% when I start the day. A little bit of confession. His patience meter is 110%. And it's not exhaustible. Sometimes we need to have the tantrum because he's not afraid of your tantrum. He delights in you. He's not afraid of your suffering. He knows. But why won't you just be his child? Why resist the love of the Father? Why resist based on your circumstances? His abundant love and care for you. Ask for what you need. Snot it up. Get upset. Daddy's not afraid of that. He has his arms extended to you to receive you in love. He wants to envelop your situation. He wants to be emphatic and step into your situation. He wants to whisper, I know. But he also wants to bless you through others. Sometimes we have to be open to that too and receive that from him. But last but not least, just like my daughter Mahalia or my interaction with her, I, I just want her to trust me. I wanted to trust my heart of love for her. Yes, I had to take those things. Yes, the world comes at you and takes stuff. But I just wanted to trust me. Let's answer the call. I'm going to pray for us. Um, but just while I'm praying, I just want to speak a blessing. And I, I just want you to not even pay attention to what I'm saying. Don't pay attention to anything I'm saying. Just talk to Daddy if you have to. I would encourage you to do so. Just while I'm speaking a blessing over you. Maybe there's just one, two, three, 50 things you need to say, Daddy, I'm at a loss, but I'm coming to you because I know you're in control. And I know that life is not in the provision, but it's in the provider. Let's pray together. Uh, these are your children holy and blameless in your sight, um, salt of the earth, uh, the light of the world, uh, sanctified by your reconciling blood. Uh, they are ministers of the new covenant. Uh, they're ministers of reconciliation. Uh, they are the, the delight of your eyes, and the apple of your eye. Daddy, hear their needs. Not everyone can be mentioned. And some can't even be mentioned because we don't even know. But you know. So I pray that you'd answer the cry of our hearts and comfort us if we're in loss or in fear of loss. And I pray a blessing of, uh, just pray a blessing of grace power just for today. That today we'd be able to make it through whatever we're facing. Push through it. Uh, but more than just push through it, Lord, to uh, just thrive in the love and the joy and the trust and the patience and the presence of our Heavenly Father. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.